This is the Fedora Chronicles News of the Week for February 21st, 2020. Biological Warfare Nightmare at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Recorded on February 20th, 2020. Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Rennerking-Fisk, talk about the coverage of the coronavirus and the conspiracy theories about its origin. Then the topic changes to Tom O'Neill's book, Chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA, and the secret history of the 60s. We specifically dig deep into the CIA program, MKUltra, mind control through LSD, and the stories, California prosecutor and helter-skelter author Vincent Bugliosi did not want you to know and hid during the Tate-LaBianca murder trial. The Fedora Chronicles is brought to you by our patrons on patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the Fedora Chronicles radio show, the show page with the show notes, behind-the-scenes banter, and more. Zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles is where you can purchase t-shirts, coffee mugs, and more with our logos and slogans right on them. 12.5% of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast on the air. Commentary on pop culture and current events through the perspective of film snobs and diesel punks, with topics ranging from conspiracy theories, true crime, and the paranormal. You can now listen to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. If your favorite podcast service doesn't have the Fedora Chronicles radio show on it, let us know and we'll fix it right away. Once again, here's Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Render Kingfisk, with the Fedora Chronicles News of the Week for February 21st, 2020. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. So like Jay and I were just doing our pre-show banter and we probably shouldn't say this. We shouldn't scare anybody. (laughs) This is probably going to be one of the most serious episodes Jay and I have done together in a long time. And um, listen to this podcast. I can't believe I'm issuing a warning. Listen to this episode of our podcast at your own risk and take a lot of what we say with a serious grain of salt. Jay and I, I don't know if you and I have reached a consensus yet, Jay, but I think that you and I have sort of reached the conclusion that it's too early to tell if whether or not anybody can make a concise, definitive answer to the question, where did this virus come from? We're doing, I think that we're spending most of the episode on the coronavirus, especially talking about the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Is that right? Did I pronounce it right? Virology? Wuhan. Wuhan Institute of Virology. And an addendum to all of this is part of a conversation that we've had already about Google and search results. Because last night I sent a text message to Jay asking Jay, have you been doing your Google searches for the Wuhan Institute of Virology using Google or DuckDuckGo? Because the search results that I've been getting from DuckDuckGo are, is more sensational a good way to yeah. describe it? 
Yeah, I think that that would be more accurate. Because the results that we get from DuckDuckGo, DuckDuckGo has results that you're not able to get on Google. And the search results are probably a little more um, inflammatory might be another word. This is sort of like one of those things where as... We've decided that we're just we're going to talk about conspiracy theories, but we're not going to say that every conspiracy theory out there is correct. Um, one of the things that Jay and I would like to be able to do when the occasion arises is debunk conspiracy theories if it's necessary. Yeah. Fine example is, you know, shape of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that it's the year 2020 and we're still having a debate about the shape of the world. Yeah, that's a little ridiculous. Yeah. So when virtually every single person who has left this globe, every cosmonaut, every astronaut, every, you know, Chinese astronaut, um, any of the countries that have put people into outer space, Every single one of them agree on one thing. The flat earthers are fucked in the head. That's a quote. It's a direct quote, by the way. <laughs> that is a that is definitely a direct quote from NASA. <laughs> flat earthers are fucked in the head. Maybe that should be that should be the show page title. Um so unless you're spending too much time paying attention to the DNC primary and not following the rest of the news. The biggest news item is the coronavirus coming out of China. And there's a lot of controversy about the origins of this deadly virus. And um, the controversy probably would have died an earlier death if it wasn't for the Washington Times. And a news item that they had posted, written by Bill Gertz, for the Washington Times, published January 24th, 2020. Headline, virus hit Wuhan has two laboratories linked to Chinese biowarfare program. Virology Institute there has Chinese only secure lab for studying deadly diseases. And in this article, they quote Danny Shoham, who is an expert on biowarfare i'm trying to I'm and just to be clear neither you or nor i are experts in biowarfare no if yeah. if if you are tuning into this podcast to get expert advice on biowarfare um you need to unplug your laptop <laughs> Shut you need off. to rethink your life. <laughs> you need to rethink your life. But Eric and Jay said. <laughs> so we're saying it now. Eric and Jay also said we are not biowarfare experts. We are not biowarfare experts. And we are not experts on Gwyneth Paltrow's candle. This smells like my vagina. Even though we talk about it a lot. We do. Because let's face it, it's fascinating. It is funny as hell. Yes, and, yes it is. Uh, with the dozens of web pages that I have open right now, I'm looking for, because I had somewhere here, I had Danny Shoham's credentials. And if I'm 
mispronouncing his name. Oh, he's Dr. Danny Shoham. He's written in the book, Chemical and Biological Weapons in Arab Countries and Iran, an existential existential threat to Israel. Uh, Let me see here. What are some of his other... um, uh, He is a... He is at the Institute for Defense Studies and Analysis. Um, He is a senior researcher at the Benign Shaddat Center for Strategic Studies at Bahrain or Bahrain University, Israel, and specializes on biological and chemical warfare. This guy is no slouch. He is the expert on biological warfare. And he was interviewed by the Washington Times, and I have the first three paragraphs on the show page. Um, And he, I'm just going to read this off to you really quick. Mm -hmm. Danny Shoham, a former Israeli military intelligence officer who has studied Chinese bio-warfare, said the Institute is linked to Beijing's covert biological weapons program. Quote, certain laboratories in the Institute have probably been engaged in terms of research and development in Chinese biological warfare, at least collaterally, not yet as a principal facility in the Chinese biological alignment. Dr. Shoham. The thing is, is that they they say he's, they quoted him as Mr. Shoham, but it's Dr. Shoham, told the Washington Times, work on biological weapons is conducted as a part of a dual civilian military research and is, quote, definitely covert, unquote. He said in an email. Again, just just to clarify, there's three forms of operations. There's overt, where everyone knows you're doing it. Yep. Covert, where not everyone knows you're doing it. And then clandestine when no one knows you're doing it. Right. So co- don't convert covert with clandestine. A lot of people out there are like, well, it can't be that covert if we know where they're doing it. Right. Eh. right. Covert just means they have plausible deniability. You know? Yes. But it's when it's clandestine that no one should know about it. So eh, I can carry on. Okay. Mr. Uh, Shoham holds a degree in medical bi- microbiology, a doctorate, that is. Yeah. From 1970 to 1991, he was a senior analyst with Israeli military intelligence for biological and chemical warfare in the Middle East and worldwide, holding the rank of lieutenant colonel. China in the past has denied having any offensive biological weapons. The State Department, in a report last year, said it suspects China has engaged in covert biological warfare work. A Chinese embassy spokesman did not return an email seeking comment. Chinese authorities so far have said that the origin of the coronavirus that has killed scores and infected hundreds in central Hubei province is not known. Gao Fu, director of the Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention, told state-controlled media initial signs as of Thursday indicated the virus originated from wild animals sold at a seafood market in Wuhan. One ominous sign said a U.S. official is that the false rumors since the outbreak began several weeks ago have begun circulating on the Chinese Internet, claiming the virus is part of a U.S. conspiracy to spread germ weapons. And there you go. Yeah. That could indicate China's preparing propaganda outlets to counter future charges. The new virus escaped from one of Wuhan's civilian or defense research laboratories. The World Health Organization is calling the microbe novel coronavirus 
2019 NCOV. At a meeting in Geneva Thursday, the organization stopped short of declaring a public health emergency of international concern. Let's put that in perspective. Yeah. How many how many people have been infected by this now? Well, depends on which news article you're going to read. <laughs> right. With According all the to links. The Business Insider, yep. the death toll of coronavirus outbreak sweeping China has reached over 2,130 with more than 75,000 people infected worldwide. And there's reason to believe that it's actually more than that because um, one of the things that I had also sent you, I sent you this link from the news organization, AustraliaNews.com.au. Mystery lab next to coronavirus epicenter just 30 kilometers from where the coronavirus originated, where there is a mystery lab, one expert claim is part of a secret biological weapons program. And I'll interject here. A couple of days ago, Tim Poole, who is a fellow podcaster, did a segment of his show a couple of days ago. I'm trying to get confirmation of about this. The Wuhan Institute of Virology has a branch office that is literally just across the street from the Wuhan wet fish market, like literally just across the street, less than 300 meters from the fish market. I also want to interject here that about, was it a year ago when I was, I was still driving for Lyft and I was driving around the Boston area and of course, when you get a passenger, you talk and they ask, oh, so what do you what do you do when you're not driving for Lyft? Which is it's amazing how Lyft riders are obsessed and fascinated with what Lyft drivers do when they're not driving. And of course, I said, well, I have a podcast and well, what's your podcast about? And I'm always kind of hesitant <laughs> Because I don't want people to jump out of the car at the next red light or stop sign. I have a podcast and I talk about the paranormal, um, true crime, and conspiracy theories. Um, and then I have to quickly interject. I don't believe all, <laughs> all conspiracy <laughs> theories. There are some conspiracy theories that I think are, are, are total bogus. And the, this woman had said, oh, that's, that's very interesting. And I asked her. Well, what do you do? And she says, um, I'm a doctoral candidate of infectious diseases and virology. And there's this kind of like weird, awkward silence. And I'm kind of like, okay. And she says, I basically study pathogens. And we have debates on nightmare scenarios. And I'm kind of like, okay. And she said, one of the things that keeps me up at night is the way that biological companies cut corners for profitability and to balance their budget by slowly whittling away and cutting corners in containment. You would think that containment would be top of the list. That's like the first thing that you want to secure. You want to secure funding for your containment. But no, they're more concerned about executive compensation and making sure that they hire just the best and the brightest at the very, very top level 
And everybody else, like the lab workers and the people who are doing the research, that's kind of secondary. Um, they want to have impressive names on their letterhead. And they become less and less strict with some of their protocols and procedures to make sure that nothing gets out. And I said, well, what's, what's your real nightmare scenario? And she said that the night, real nightmare scenario are the things that they're playing with. And she said, like, imagine for a second, um, the Pentagon hires a biotech company in the Boston Worcester area in here in Massachusetts to weaponize something ridiculous like rabies or the flu. And somehow it gets out and Cambridge or Boston or Worcester become ground zero. But the thing is, is like if we're cutting corners here in the United States and we're the richest country in the world, just imagine what other countries are doing to remain competitive with the United States. Now, before anyone gets too um, accusatory about any of this, let's bear in mind that these people are human. Right. You know, um, it's literally no different for them to get lax in their in their security protocols than it is for you to say when you're getting, when you're just running to the grocery store, that's 10 minutes from your house. I would just won't wear my seatbelt this time. I'm in a hurry. Or I'm not going to lock my doors. Right. I'm just, I'm only gone for a few minutes. It'll be fine. Right. Kind of a thing. You're taking a calculated risk. The difference is not in the action. The difference is in the impact that action may have. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't take much. It doesn't I mean, take those much. Clean yeah. suits. I know you've, you've worn a clean suit before. Oh, right? I sure have. I sure have. Yeah. And there's different levels of clean suits as well. Exactly. I mean, there are some clean suits like the, I've never had to wear a clean suit where you had to wear, um, you had to be connected to a hose to provide you with oxygen. I've never been into a place that's that secure, but I have been in clean suits. Um, in my case, it was because we were, um, we're doing an inspection of a place that built circuit boards for us. Right. So you had to put the little booties on the shoes. You had to put the gloves on. You had to put the suit on and cover the face because they were more worried about particulates than anything else. They exactly. About microbiology, biological, microbiological contaminants. They're worried about like dandruff. Right. And skin flakes. Which is what dandruff is, except not in places where you have a lot of hair. Exactly. Well, except for my boss, because he was Italian, so he had hair all over the place. Right. But anyway. Right. Um, you know, so that's been my experience with it. So it's really, really easy to point a finger and say, well, you're dealing with something super deadly. Oh, and a car isn't super deadly? Exactly. So let's all bear us in mind. We're talking about human people, right? Yeah. So they're going to make mistakes. They are not going to be perfect. No. So as far as I'm concerned, anyone who's dealing with this stuff and doesn't have some form of outbreak at some point within any given year right. is being incredibly, incredibly astute. Right. You know, they're paying a lot of attention to what's going on. Right. So it's to me, it's more likely that there is an outbreak than that there isn't, mm -hmm. just because of 
humanity that I've dealt with. Yeah. So there's also interject here as well. There is a great book by Richard Preston called The Hot Zone. Hot Zone is a terrifying true story in a 2000, uh, I'm sorry, 1995 nonfiction thriller by Richard Preston about the origins and incidents involving viral hemorrhagic fevers, particularly Ebola virus and Maraburg virus. The basis of the book was Preston's 1992 New Yorker article, Crisis in the Hot Zone, which basically, we there has been precedence for oh, yeah. biotech firms who are studying infectious diseases losing their product i guess or <laughs> their subject matters that they're studying i don't what's what's a nice let's go with subject let's go with subject they, it sounds yeah they lose sometimes they occasionally there is some kind of an outbreak no matter how hard you try because here the the purpose of a virus is to survive and propagate. Right. And accidents, literally fighting biology. You're literally fighting biology. You're literally fighting billions of years of evolution. How old is life here on Earth? We're talking right. billions of years. You're fighting billions of years of evolution, trying to keep product contained and its only job is to get out and propagate just like people yep. okay just like just like imagine africa is a bio lab and human beings are the infectious disease <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a mere matter of time before these hominoids escape and infect the rest of the world it's a mere matter of time or you could think about it like Europeans during the colonialism era. You could look at it that way, too. <laughs> you could look at it. It's just a matter of time before they cross the Atlantic or the Pacific and infect both North American and South American continents. Just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. And you think that um, you've not had a breakout in... Ages in the history of your company, you've never had a breakout. You've never had anything escape. So, you, and you kind of like look at your bottom line and you say, well, we haven't had a breakout in a while. We've never had a breakout. You know, maybe we could cut the budget on the ventilation or. Yeah, building, we got to save money. Building. You know, company, yeah. Building maintenance. You know, the government's not funding us the way they used to. And this is funny because this is where, you know, we all like to bitch about how much the government spends on things, right? And how many, I wonder how many people out there have ever said something along the lines of they're spending too much money on research to things we don't really need. Yes. And do you know what it is that that research covers? Because I don't. That's why I no. don't think I've ever said that. I don't know what the hell they're researching. They may be researching, you know, the cure to cancer for all I know. I have no idea. I'm exactly. not about to say you're spending too much money on that because how much money is too much money? You know, anyone who's had a loved one die from cancer is going to have a different perspective on that than someone who's never had a loved one die of cancer. Exactly. 
you know? So I'm, I'm not certainly not going to pass judgment on how much we should or shouldn't be spending on that. Um, but at the same time, you can definitely see some idiot in a boardroom saying, do we really need to spend this much money on the security protocols for the research we're doing on, uh, what is that? Uh, oh, it's inert smallpox. It's not like that could even be used anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. So not a good idea. It's not, it's not a good idea. Now, the thing is, is that we're supposed to be the richest country in the world. And we are supposed to have infinite funds to pay for things like this. Right. And that there are other countries who they don't have. It's This is not. This could be easily misconstrued, but there are other countries, other governments who don't have the same standards that we have. Not just standards. They don't have the resources we do right. to ensure it. So it's not right. necessarily that. They don't care any less. They just may not be able to afford the measures that right. we can. Right. And this has been sort of like the nightmare scenario of, of so many people in the biomed field. And now that this could be one of the first real incidences that we know of, that something may have escaped in the lab. Are we saying for sure this escaped from the lab? Are we well, saying what about the SARS outbreak in 2003? That, well, that's another thing. Uh, and I did want to get to that. See, you see, that's the thing. I need that bell. Every time the J jumps to <laughs> the end of the point that I'm trying to make, I need to ring a bell. Um, Maria Bartitomnomo. I I'm sure I'm butchering her last name. And we apologize for that. We apologize for that. Um, shame on you for having a name that I can't pronounce. <laughs> She says the guy whose last name is Fisk. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I think I deserve that. All right. Let me just see here. Come on now. Come on, computer. Open up here. At the same time, we need to really understand why these diseases keep coming out of China. I mean, we, we remember SARS and MERS, and now it's coronavirus. We've been told that this originated in an open seafood market, where you've got a market that you've got bats and cats and pigs and, and all sorts of animals all at once. But there is also speculation that perhaps it did not originate there. Tell us what you know. Yeah, so Maria, here's what we do know. It, this virus did not originate in the Wuhan animal market. Epidemiologists who are widely respected from China who have published a study in the international journal The Lancet have demonstrated that several of the original cases did not have any contact with that food market. The virus went into that food market before it came out of that food market. So we don't know where it originated, but we do know that we have to get to the bottom of that. We also know that just a few miles away from that food market is China's only biosafety level four super laboratory that in researches human infectious diseases. Now, we don't have evidence that this disease originated there, but because of China's du duplicity and dishonesty from the beginning, we need to at least ask the question to see what the evidence says. And China right now is not giving any evidence on that question at all. So, so this super lab that you refer to, this super lab is the only one of its kind 
in this area in Wuhan in the province uh, that, that that area and and what do they do with the super lab it's unclear Maria uh, we have such laboratories ourselves in the United States run by our military in large part done for preventative purposes or trying to discover vaccines or to protect our own soldiers China is obviously very secretive about what happens at the Wuhan laboratory we don't know again where this virus originated that's why it's so important that we at least ask the questions and get the evidence but China continues to block our ability to ask those questions and get that evidence but in terms of getting to the bottom of it, the Centers for Disease Control wanted to go into China. The U.S. has offered a lot of help, including sending the CDC in there to investigate exactly where this originated and, and how severe it is. But they said no, right? That's right. The Chinese government has consistently blocked American scientists, who are obviously the very best in the world, from going to Wuhan, going to Hubei, trying to provide assistance to uh, make sure that this virus is contained to the greatest extent possible, to discover its origins, to shed light on what that may mean for successful testing and vaccines. But the Chinese Communist Party continues to refuse that offer of assistance from the United States. Now, the Chinese ambassador called the notion of biological warfare, quote, absolutely crazy, accusing you of trying to spread misinformation and panic. What's your response there? I mean, we don't want to create panic, but at the same time, people need to be educated in terms of what exists in this region in China. Well, the burden of proof right now is on the Chinese Communist Party and the ambassador uh, of China and his fellow communists. They have lied consistently about this virus from the beginning, so we should not take their word at face value. And no, we don't want to have a public panic, panic, but we do want to err on the side of caution when so much is unknown. And that is consistently what China has not done by consistently lying to its own people and to the world. They have created a situation where we have not been able to take the preventative measures that we might have, and we have not been able to err on the side of caution. From Town Hall, and this is from yesterday, Senator Cotton condemns Chinese Foreign Ministry expulsion of Wall Street journalists. Senator Tom Cotton, Republican from Arkansas, voiced criticism against the Chinese government amid the outbreak of the coronavirus. The New York Times published an article framing Senator Cotton as a conspiracy theorist for merely suggesting that an accident in the laboratory could be the reason for the outbreak, given the virus's origin is still unknown, and experts have not ruled out this possibility. The Washington, now, this is the irony of it. The Washington Post joined in on the smear as well, falsely claiming that the possibility of a laboratory accident has been debunked. Senator Cotton and many other people have sort of asked the question, but a lot of people are starting to ask questions, even within our own U.S. government, like people like Senator Cotton. Where are, how come all of these infectious diseases are coming out of China? Like SARS. Yeah, SARS came from China as well. Now, what I find interesting is the reporting itself is, is neat too, because like in the Washington Examiner, the headline was, was Corona a viral weapon? We don't know, but history shows we can't trust China. And this is talking about Tom Cotton raising questions in a Fox News interview about whether it, 
the coronavirus originated in China, in a Chinese biowarfare military laboratory. Salon's headline yep. is without evidence. Tom Cotton suggests that the coronavirus is Chinese biological warfare. What committees does Tom Cotton serve on? That would well, let's been- find out. That's what that's what the Oracle of Google is for. Tom Cotton Congressional Committee. Because uh, here's the question for you. While you're waiting for that to come up. It's funny how he was. He's, he's sitting on the uh, Armed Services Committee, the Committee for Banking, Housing, Urban Affairs, Committee for Aging, Committee on Intelligence, and the Joint Economic Committee. Okay, whoa, 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 wait a minute. He's so on he's, the he's on the Intelligence Committee, and what was the first one? The Armed Services Committee. So how does? But yeah, he doesn't know shit. How he, does how Sol- could he possibly know about what's going on? How does Salon know? That he doesn't have evidence to suggest. Well, they don't. But this is this is an example of why people say that the media is biased. Because when you read the headlines, three different things, three different news organizations reporting on the same thing, you get three completely different impressions of it. And this is why people say medias are biased. When you read without evidence... Tom Cotton suggests coronavirus is Chinese biological warfare. Or, and then you read another one that says, was the coronavirus a bioweapon? We don't know, but history shows we can't trust China. Reading those two, I would say the Washington Examiner is taking a less biased approach to it than Salon is. Yes. Yeah. Because they're both talking about the same interview. Go ahead and again and read the committees that he's on one more time. He is on the Committee on Armed Services, the Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs, Committee on Aging, Committee on Intelligence, and the Joint Economic Committee. Two of those, at least two of those, you would think would have informed him on what's really going on. What's the speculation within the U.S. government? and the intelligence agencies. There's there's also a link that I wanted to mention here. Um, It's on the top of the show page as it is right now. Like I said, this is from news.com.au from Australia. Um, Mystery lab next to coronavirus epicenter, just 30 kilometers away. They're linked to that is a video of what's going on in downtown Wuhan. And they have footage of inside the hospitals. And it's it's pandemonium. The 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 not just the waiting rooms, but the hallways on the first floor of this hospital are packed. It's just wall-to-wall people. If you want to spread the flu, that's a great way to do it. Just pack it. Well, first of all, the very fact that they're able to get pictures of it. Is amazing. Well, it just lets you know how little um, quality control they're doing. Yeah. Well, they're overwhelmed. 
Yeah. Okay, so which article is it? You didn't, you haven't thrown the link on the page yet. I will, I will toss you the link. Um. Oh, and by and 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 by the way, because the thing is, is that I wanted to, I wanted to get the um, uh, the link to you as soon as possible, and th- and this came up. Hospital director in Wuhan, China, dies of coronavirus. Yeah, that's nothing to worry about. It could be unrelated. Maybe unrelated. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm laughing. Uh, Gallo, I think it's called Gallo's humor, Jay. Well, yeah, yeah, that would, that would, that would, that would probably be it. I'm getting but you. This is this is actually somewhat terrifying. Just somewhat you, terrifying. If, well, yeah. I mean, the truth of the matter is. I'm human like everyone else, so I don't know anyone infected by it. So for me, there's a level of detachment. I can afford the gallows humor because it's not directly affecting me. There's audio, but there is no voiceover. There is nobody who is saying, this is what you're seeing. There is no narration to this video. There would be no place. But the thing is, is that to see video of the doctors who are overwhelmed, breaking down, and crying over what's going on is heartbreaking. We, well, yeah, I mean, they know what it is. It's one thing, even if you're, a, even if you are developing a bioweapon, it's one thing to be developing a bioweapon that you pray to God is never going to be used. It's another thing to see that bioweapon get out of your hands in an uncontrolled manner and just devastate your coworkers the community you live in. Yeah. And your boss I mean, just died. Right. There's, there's, it's two different things, you know? And plus they're exhausted, you know? I mean, we train our medical professionals to operate with very little to almost no sleep, but it's still, you still get impacted by the exhaustion. Look at that. Holy shit. So the video, I'm watching the video now, and the hallways are just packed with people. Seriously, it looks like a, a high school when the bell is rung and people are going from one class to another, except half of them are military and wearing the CBR suits, uh, chemical, biological, radiological bio suits. A new thousand-bed hospital is being built in just days. Uh, As a matter of fact, this is posted from Business Insider just a day ago. Coincidentally, um, I had this open. The 1,600-bed Wuhan coronavirus hospital that China panic built in a few days is less than half full 11 days after it opened. So you can read that in one of two ways. You can look at that and say, um, hey, it's not full yet. Yeah, but. Now, the thing is, is that how come the beds are not full yet? Is it because the th- are you are you saying that um, there's two ways that I'm reading this? I'm reading mm-hmm. this as the 1,600 bed hospital. 
um, is all is already almost half full after only 11 days. Or you can read it as after 11 days, it's still not filled. They may have, they, they may have over over panicked and they may have. They may have jumped the gun on this. You could look at it. You could look at it that two ways. Well, again, but that's a that's a voluntary thing. Yeah, you know, um, the truth is, it's still eight hundred people who have been admitted to a hospital. Now, in the Business Insider article that you that I was reading from earlier, it says that. Fever and symptoms of lower respiratory illness, such as coughing, difficulty breathing when traveling to Wuhan or having close contact with someone who is ill and is now under investigation for the virus. These these are two indications you could be at risk. And the other one is fever, symptoms of lower respiratory illness after having close contact in past weeks with someone who's been confirmed to have the virus. Then later on, who is it? Uh, Adrian Heisler. Chief Medical Officer at Helix International, which offers risk management solutions for global travelers, told Business Insider, the people who are likely to die first will have other illnesses, but as it spreads, it'll pick up more people like the flu does. So so the people who are most susceptible earlier on, like with every flu, are children and the elderly. Yep. And the virus has infected at least 75,752 people as of February 20th, with the vast yeah. majority of the cases in China. And at least 2,130 people have died from it. Now, the reason why they use those terms at least is because that's that we know about. We don't know. You know, some people may have died from it, but they don't know it was coronavirus that killed them. Some people, you know, the Chinese government has, you know, like most communist governments, is very forthcoming about their own mistakes. You know, as one of the links you sent me was from uh, Senator Ben Sass, who he issued this statement, quote, Here's the proof that Beijing is sick. The same Chinese Communist Party that sat on the sidelines for weeks while the coronavirus plagued Wuhan sprang to action when Chairman Xi's feelings were hurt by a headline that nobody in China has the freedom to read. The Wall Street Journal owes the Chinese Communist Party nothing. Chairman Xi owns the Chinese people an apology for his coronavirus cover-up. So now we have senators, congressmen, and news publications who are just calling it out as a cover-up. As a matter of fact, it's like if you do a duck-duck-go search of coronavirus cover-up. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people who are very critical of the, the, the Chinese military and the Chinese government. Speaking of the Chinese military, I'm actually sending you this. This is from China, this is from China Daily. I don't know if this is controlled by the... The um, the Chinese government. Um, no, if it's controlled by the Chinese government, generally we wouldn't have access to it without using a VPN. Okay, that would be interesting. It's too bad I don't know somebody who knows how to use a VPN to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just haven't set it up. This because the thing is, is it Jay and I are recording this episode of this podcast, 
And I think the, my, my goal is to have this out on the internet at least before Thursday night, because who, who the hell knows what's going to happen when it's supposed to be up Saturday morning. Um, reading this headline to you, I just sent this, and this was updated. Um, I'm not sure if this is, is it was updated um, February 19th at uh, um, 11.18, their time or our time, my time, whatever. Two more military-led hospitals put into use in virus-hit Wuhan. Two hospitals with a planned capacity of 860 and 700 beds, respectively. So that's 1,500, just under 1,600 beds. All right. By the, by the way, one of the things I also want to reiterate here is that because of everything else that Jay and I had been doing, there are, there are also other news items that we have not. It wasn't until yesterday that I realized we need to do a show on this. I'm going to read some more headlines here. I want to get your take on some of the headlines here. Okay. Um, this is from the Daily Star. Take it with a, a grain of salt because the Daily Star has a habit of publishing sensational news stories. Okay. Again, Daily Star, China deploys 40 incinerators to Wuhan amid fears of coronavirus death toll. Quote, cover up, unquote. Chinese media reports that the mobile furnaces used for burning animal carcasses and medical waste have been shipped to the center of the coronid 19 outbreak. And this is from Henry Holloway, who's a chief reporter at the Daily Star. I'm just going to read um, a paragraph or two. China has reportedly developed 40 industrial incinerators to the epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak in Wuhan. Chinese media reports that the furnaces have been shipped to the city amid ongoing fears that the death toll is being covered up. NTD reports that the cabins are for disposal of animal carcasses, while China's ship news reports the incinerators are for medical waste. Wuhan, had, yeah, blah, blah. Wuhan has been the center of the global epidemic, blah, blah, blah. Um, Sources quoted in Chinese media raise questions on whether or not the incinerators are for animals or will be used to de dispose of human remains. Again, that's from the Daily Star. Take it from okay. the Green Yeah, but just even just giving them the benefit of the doubt that they stumbled upon something and they didn't sensationalize it too much. Assuming that they're right, that there are incinerators being sent there, that is the safest way to dispose of an infective body that we know of. I can't imagine another way of disposing. Yeah, how, how else are you going to dispose of an infected body? Because that was the problem. Remember the, the Black Plague in the in the Middle Ages? I'm not old enough to remember the Black Plague, Jay. Okay, well, I am. So, <laughs> <laughs> that shit was all over the place, man. There was people in the streets. It was awful. No, um, the... The One of the reasons why they believe the Black Plague spread as virulently as it did is because of the funerary practices being, that people were following at the time. In other words, they were just burying people. They were just taking yeah. the dead bodies, digging a hole, and throwing them in. And not burying them deeply. That's they were another shallow thing. graves. That's part of the reason why, our, as I understand it anyway, Part of the reason why our graves in the modern era are dug six feet deep is because 
that is a layer of insulation between that dead body and any potential viruses that it may contain. Now, this is relying on my memory, so may not be 100% perfect, but if they are deploying those, those incinerators to that province, doesn't mean shit, except they realize they need to do something to contain the spread of the virus. It doesn't mean that they're expecting there to be a huge outbreak. They've already got over a thousand dead at the very least that they have to dispose of in a safe manner that is not going to spread the coronavirus. And let's remember the people that are advising the government on this are the people who are the fucking experts on this. So even if that's what they're doing, that's not a bad thing. They're doing this to stop the spread of the virus. That is a good thing. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that if you have if you have a home of somebody who is infected with a highly contagious disease, you're going to burn want that shit, baby. You're going to want to burn everything inside that house that this person had come into contact with, like clothing, linen, bed sheets, blankets, everything everything that this person have, could have touched yeah. providing of course that let's just say that this story is absolutely true let's just say let's just say that because i mean i'm being very cautious here because mm -hmm. of the daily star's reputation of being tabloid light or tabloid ish mm -hmm. the idea that they're deploying 40 incinerators is either overkill panic or it's far worse than what they're telling us. Well, and it, it's easy to assume the latter, especially coming from a source like that, that has dabbled in conspiracy theories, right? It's easy to say, oh, it's so much worse than what they're saying. Yeah, well, we don't know. They just say incinerators. How many bodies can fit inside one of these incinerators? How long can one of these incinerators operate over a course of 24 hours? There's a lot of information we don't know that is not being reported about these incinerators. An incinerator, um, to my knowledge anyway, and I'm far from an expert on this, but like when someone gets cremated, a crematorium, that thing can't operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It just can't handle it because of the height of the temperatures that they reach to re render a human body to ash. Yeah. Right? So if they're sending out 40 incinerators and they can only do like that's one body per incinerator, then, you know, if they're only doing one body every four hours, that's not a whole lot. It really isn't. I mean, when you say incinerator, everyone unfortunately thinks of like the World War II incinerators yeah. from the Nazi regime. That's probably not what they're sending out there. I'm guessing, but it's probably not just because who the hell has that shit nowadays? And why would you? You know what I mean? And that's where we can delve into the conspiracy theories because let's face it, conspiracy theories are fun. Oh, that's the crazy thing. Um, holy shit. Because the thing is, is that I just hit refresh. I did a, a search of just the word coronavirus with my safe search off. Uh-huh. Okay, from 19 minutes ago, 
CNBC, coronavirus live updates, South Korea confirms first death of virus. ABC News, two cruise ship passengers in Japan die from novel coronavirus. Uh, Maybe some good news from CBS, coronavirus live updates, drop new cases reported in China after change in diagnostic criteria. Could be good or could or bad. Um, this is from Reuters three hours ago. Like a zombie apocalypse, residents on the edge of on edge as coronavirus causes surge in South Korea. Um So the thing is, is that now people in Korea, South Korea and North Korea are starting to panic over the coronavirus. Well, can you blame them? Um, New York Times. What a what a party in Japan may tell us about the coronavirus's spread. Whereas somebody in a party in Japan who was infected with the coronavirus and didn't know about it may have infected a lot of people at this party that he attended. Right. But I mean, that's... I, I I get the impression sometimes with these articles that it feels like they are putting some blame on him. Yeah, this person is a victim. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the thing you is, you don't I, know you have it until the symptoms show up, and I haven't read anything that says the symptoms show up immediately because yeah. that's not how those things typically work. So it's very very possible to be infected with something and go about your business and your daily life as if nothing's wrong because you have no idea that there is anything wrong. Um, I don't, especially I, if it's being weaponized. Cause that would be probably part of the plan is you want people to be able to walk around for as long as possible to infect as many people as possible so that you can have the most effective weapon developed. I want you to read the headline to the news story that I had just sent you. All right, here we go. Coronavirus may be spreading so fast because of fecal transmission. Well, holy shit. So now we know why they need those incinerators. Right. Oh, my God. Locations by number of confirmed COVID cases. The U.S. has 11 to 40 confirmed cases. Canada has 1 to 10. Same thing with Russia, U.K., Belgium, Spain, and Italy. France, Germany, is right, and Australia, uh, Thailand, Vietnam, Malaysia are right there with us with 11 to 40. China or Japan and South Korea have 60 to 110. And look at that. We don't have any information on North Korea. I'm shocked. Shocked, I tell you. (laughs) Singapore has 60 to 100. That's a horrifying thing. I mean, if you look at it, there's maybe combined total, assuming the highest numbers, right? There's what? On 220, 
260, 300. There's maybe 500 cases worldwide outside of China. Maybe. Maybe. And there's a, there's around 75,000 yeah. in China itself. And almost all of that is probably in the uh, Han province where Wuhan is. Here we go. They found the virus was present in swabs. Okay, blah, 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 blah. Um, Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention published a report stating the virus has been found in the stool of COVID-19 patients from the northeastern province of Heiliojiang. The scientists said this team led to believe the virus, led them to believe the virus can be transmitted through the potential fecal oral route. If the hands, food, or water are contaminated, which could enable it to enter the body through the nose, mouth, and eyes. Yeah. That means airborne. Yeah. Airborne and waterborne. They argue that while droplets in close contact are the most common routes of transmission, they do not appear to account for all cases or the reasons for the rapid spread of this virus. Yeah. This virus has many routes of transmission, which can be can partially explain its strong transmission and fast transmission speed. All right. Anyone who's ever played the video game um, Outbreak. Yeah. What the hell? You, you know which one I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I do. Right? You know, we all know that if you want to kill off the population, you start off with, um, with waterborne. That way there it spreads better. Waterborne and airborne are the best ways to spread a virus. So this was followed by a study published on Monday in a peer-reviewed journal, Emerging Microbes and Infections by a separate team of researchers, which in emerging microbes and infections kind of sounds like um, home and gardens, doesn't it? I yeah, mean, it does. It's an interesting magazine. It suddenly suggests the virus might be capable of infecting people if they ingest fecal matter. Now, as disgusting as that sounds, we're not talking about like, you know, people who have a, a scat fetish. If you're in a public restroom and they flush the toilet, you're ingesting fecal matter. It's microbial sized fecal matter that gets sprayed up into the air when they flush the toilet. So let's kind of keep things in perspective here. The team examined a total of 178 swabs taken from the anal cavities of COVID-19 patients at a hospital in Wuhan, the city at the epicenter of the outbreak. That's got to be a fun yeah, job. I don't want to. Imagine being that guy where they're like, all right, I want you to take this swab and probe the anal cavities of these dead people of these dead people and i'd be like all right do i have to <laughs> I mean, how much am i getting paid gross. again yeah am i getting paid for this no but you may save millions of lives all right i that's that's just not the job you want to have you know i think sean way got pissed off his boss or something like that, got tasked with that one. Yeah, exactly. How many you got to do? You must do all of them. <laughs> must do all of them. Every single one. <laughs> I shouldn't be making fun of that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to cut that. <laughs> I, I, Edit that out so I don't sound so bad. <laughs> I certainly will. Um, yeah, that's just, that's not a good job. Holy shit. Okay, because the thing yeah. is, is that I mean, 
And say, holy shit, I already did that. It's all right. Uh, Oh, sweet, sweet Jesus. Because the thing is, is that I keep hitting refresh and I keep getting these news stories. Let me just see here. Which is the worst one? This is from CNBC. This is an hour ago. U.S. hospitals prepare for possible possible pandemic. Air France tallies brutal impact from outbreak. Um, what does that mean? China detains activist who accused Chairman Xi of coronavirus cover-up. Is that how you pronounce his name? I thought it was Z. Xi. Xi. Okay. X in Chinese is pronounced kind of like a Xi. Okay. A she. It's it's almost like um so China is named after one of the province or original warring provinces which was known as Jin, which is X I N, and we have then anglicized that to China. Yeah. Well So it'd be like Xi. See yeah. Here, here's something. Here's something that really sort of upsets me, and I'm just going to just say this really quick here and just let this go. This is posted at 7 a.m. this morning. Air France says coronavirus impact could climb above 22 million. They're talking about, <laughs> they're talking about their their losses, their financial losses. Well, yeah, I mean they're a company. They're going to. That's how they define everything. You know, like I. The company I work for, they send out updates that, you know, I think we got one two weeks ago saying that no corp, corp, all company transit to and from China has ceased. Yep. So they're no longer sending people to China. This is. They don't want to take the chance that someone gets infected. Of course, they couch it in better terms than that and say, because we're concerned with the welfare of our employees. Here's yeah, some, you just yeah, want to yeah. get sued. Now, God forbid that I actually accuse Time Magazine of sensationalizing their headlines. I don't know if this is something to be concerned about, whether or not they are sensationalizing their headlines, or this is something that you really need to be concerned about. This is, and this was posted at, let's just call it 3 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time here. 2.59 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Time Magazine. Cruise passenger whose coronavirus infection went undetected shows it may not be possible to stop the outbreak from spreading. That's from Time magazine. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's, I would say their phrasing would be borderline sensationalism. At the very least, it's clickbait, right? Yeah. But the truth of the matter is that they're absolutely right how early do the symptoms present and how effective is screening to find those symptoms and identify those symptoms because someone just because someone has a sore throat and a cough how many times have you had a sore throat and a cough in the last like you know 12 months like how about today like i don't know if i'm coming down with something today I don't know right. if you could hear it in my voice that I feel like I'm coming down with something. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that it has nothing to do with the fact you've been looking at coronavirus articles for the past, like, 36 hours. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, my is symptoms, we, yeah. you get a sore throat, you feel run down, 
that sort of thing happens frequently and you don't think anything of it. I'll just take, you know, NyQuil or whatever, or in my case, crack and, and go to sleep and I'll feel better in the morning. You know, I mean, it's not, oftentimes we don't assume the worst when we have just like a scratchy throat. We really don't. So when should you go and get checked? You know, I mean, it, it, there's a fine line between effective reporting and sensationalism and creating inciting a panic, right? I don't think everyone who has a scratchy throat should go into their local hospital or go to their doctor or wellness center and say, I think I have the coronavirus. Exactly. You know, but at the same time, you should get yourself checked out if you're not feeling well, but that's what you should do anyway. You know, if you're, especially if you've been doing traveling in any international airport, if you're not feeling well, you should go see a doctor. And just let them know, hey, I've done a lot of traveling, not feeling good. I don't know if this is, you know, just a cold or, <clears throat> you know, airport crud or whatever. You know, just let them know. Of course, if they come back in wearing a CBR suit, you know, you may say I'm fucked, which you probably are. But it's just better safe than sorry. There's no need to panic, I think, yet. But... If you've done international traveling, I think there's reason to be concerned and suspicious, possibly even a little paranoid. Because here's the now thing. Now who's sensationalizing shit. Well, here's the thing. Because, I mean, we do a podcast. Right. And the whole point of the podcast is doing an entertaining coverage of the news. Yep. Like we... And like I tell my friends, we make fun of news stories. We make fun of the news. And yeah. and like we started this episode, we said that um, this is we probably are not gonna, experts. We're not expert. And this is probably going to be the most serious show that we've ever done. Um, and maybe doing <laughs> doing a an Internet search of just the word coronavirus or coronavirus cover up. And looking for news items might be causing me to have psychosomatic symptoms. <laughs> Just throwing that out there as a possibility. Just throwing it out. Also, also, I I worked out last night with my personal trainer Marcus, and for whatever reason, I worked harder than I usually do during my workouts. Mostly because I wanted to show off my new sneakers. Maybe I don't know. Um, <laughs> You know, it could be some frustration tangled in there. I mean, let's be good. Let's be honest. We're good. Yep. And the thing is, is that, and of course, um, I stayed up late doing research for this, for this episode. And I didn't, I didn't think that the coronavirus was going to take up all of our time. I also wanted to talk about this book that I finished reading and I wanted to get to some, um, uh, reader message, reader emails that we're going to get to. Um, okay. But the thing is, let's, is that let's go to the book now because well, I just because well, I wanted to finish this thought here. Okay, yes, I, I just I just did a Twitter search, mm -hmm. and maybe this is an example of irresponsible um, reporting. I'm going to do this qu really quick here. 
it's not really quick. No, it's not. Because <laughs> the thing is, is that... Um, I'm trying to look for... Because the thing is, here's the thing. A, a news... A news item comes across my desk. I could very easily just read you the headlines and just tell you again, um, take it with a grain of salt. Right. Okay. This is a sensational headline from a news organization. This is why you got to be careful. This is why you have to be careful. From the news organization, 24-7 Crisis News Live... That doesn't sound devious at all. <laughs> Nothing suspicious about that. Mili Crisis center. Carry on. Hashtag breaking military in Iran preparing to quarantine. I don't know how you pronounce this. Qom. Q-O-M is the name is, is how it's spelled. After two people suddenly died of coronavirus today, highways are being shut down. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're not shutting down highways. Someone got sick. Shut that shit, shit down. That's something you see on a bad movie. Right. That's not That's not how, like, serious medical professionals view it. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's not like we're in a disaster movie here. And there's that one guy that always knows what's really going on. Right. No, no. Right. Um, but yet simultaneously on the same page from the Air Force Times. Is it really the Air Force Times? I don't know. I'm not looking at it. U.S. military preparing for a coronavirus pandemic. But that's from seven okay. days ago. So I would not. That would not shock me if the U.S. military was preparing for a viral outbreak because that's their job. Their job is to be ready for the worst, regardless of what's going on. Well, you would hope. Well, that's literally what they do for a living. War is a worst case scenario, period. So that's what they do. So them preparing for a coronavirus outbreak, that's like saying, you know, it's snowing, so they're preparing for a blizzard. You know, of course they are. That's what they do. Is that cause for anyone to panic? Probably not. Because it's just a precaution. Exactly. Better safe than sorry. And in all honesty, if shit does hit the fan, <laughs> yep. not only will the virus spread faster, but the military will be poised and ready to react in a more timely manner. Right. That's why they do things like that. That's why they're constantly drilling even though it's kind of a, a joke in the military. If you've ever served in the military, you know that, oh, great, we're having another drill. It's like it's a day that ends in Y. So right. even though it becomes something, everyone knows that there's a reason why you're drilling. There's a reason why you're basically practicing for a worst-case scenario yeah. so that when the worst-case scenario happens, you actually know what the fuck you're doing and how to respond to it. So, yeah. This is just more of that. They're preparing for the worst, hoping to God they won't have to actually do anything in regards to it. But just in case, they're ready if they have to. Because again, that's what they do. 
It's part of the job when you put on a uniform. And everyone in uniform knows it. Anyone in uniform that bitches about it is what I like to call human. Yep. You know, just it is what it is. That's all there is to it. Embrace the suck, as we say. Embrace the suck, indeed. Um, so, just to sort of change topics. Mm-hmm. Um, but why? This one's so cheery. This, <laughs> I, we're having such a great time with this. Um, you know what? Let's just, let's just put a, um, a cap on the Wuhan coronavirus talk right. by saying we're, we're capping the woohoo got it or tapping the woohoo woohoo um <laughs> maybe it's not a good idea to be making jokes about this but yeah i think the the lesson to be learned right now is now is a great time to relearn how to wash your hands <laughs> especially <laughs> <laughs> And when going to public bathrooms, be sure to hold your breath. Wash your hands, use precautions, but don't freak out. Okay? Just because Eric and Jay spent, as of right now, an hour and ten minutes talking about this and reading the headlines. And we're going to put a caveat saying that, like, we put everything on the table. Everything that we could find that we thought was relevant. We put into this podcast and we talked about this with the understanding. And also on top of this, we didn't even get to scientists calling out the media for sensationalizing this story. Panic is not going to help anybody. Um, being afraid and vilifying people who may be infected with this disease is not a good idea. Uh, but there... We should also be very cautious about not over sensationalizing the story. While at the same time, I do think that our government should follow Senator Cotton's lead and start asking serious questions about what's going on in China behind closed doors of their bio labs. What are they working on? I think it would be irresponsible of us for not asking questions. Why aren't we asking countries like China what's really going on behind closed doors? We're all upset and and literally we spent literally trillions of dollars going after Iran for their alleged weapons of mass destruction. And yet sort of like we're sort of giving China a pass. And you have these experts saying it's not out of the realm of the possibility that this could have been a weaponized version of the flu. It's not out of the realm of, po- of the possibility. Right. And That's I, not to say that it's likely. It's just that it is a possibility. Right. We're walking a very fine, razor thin line saying we should not over-sensationalize the story. At the same time, we should be asking serious questions of the Chinese government. What really is going on behind closed doors of your bioweapons programs? And China is a very prideful, proud country who does not like foreigners interfering 
with what they're doing within their own country. They don't right. they don't want to submit to the authority of of the West. I think that we should actually have an honest, serious sit down with the leaders of Chinese, uh, the Chinese government and ask some serious questions about what they're doing and why. Why are you developing these bioweapons? Now, that is that is making the assumption they're going to be honest. Right. And they're going to be willing to have that discussion. I mean, that's something we've got to bear in mind. You're dealing with. People who have their own motivations, their own reasons for doing something. So, yeah, just because just because you want to have a sit down heart to heart with them doesn't mean they're going to. Doesn't mean they're even interested, yep. you know. All right. And also don't victimize people who have the flu. It's not their fault. I know that sounds crazy to say. I shouldn't even have to say that, but there it is. Yeah. So on a lighter note, let's talk about Charlie Manson. <laughs> Chuck. Hey, Chuck. Um, a local listener in Keene, New Hampshire, ran into me at, of all places, <laughs> where I was getting my tires changed and had said, Eric. You're into conspiracy theories with the CIA. You're into... I thought you hit it better than that. They actually were able to identify that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Eric, you're fascinated with MK Ultra and, and the CIA <laughs> dabbling in mind control and, and um, the JFK assassination. I said, yeah. And um, she, was, she pulled out of this this book out of her tote bag and the title of this book is chaos charles manson the cia and the secret history of the 60s and i got the audible version of it and let me think here it's about 10 hours and 57 minutes of conspiracy theory wholesome goodness it's a great book for the entire family the Charles Manson family. This is one of those books where you want to talk about going down rabbit holes. This is a guy, this is, this is a book. This is very hard for me to sort of explain and see if you can follow what it is that I'm trying to say. The book chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA and the secret history of the sixties by Tom O'Neill is a book about Tom O'Neill writing the book, Chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA, and the Secret History of the 60s. He's writing about writing the book that he's writing. D does that make any sense? Uh, kind of. Okay. It seems a little meta, but okay. It's, it's really super meta. Tom O'Neill takes the reader on a journey of how he got obsessed might not be, obsessed might not be a strong enough word uh, about 20 years ago premier magazine you remember premier magazine i didn't know that it was out of print by the way I didn't know oh, that. Oh, is it? Yeah, Premier yeah, Magazine. Like, like, it's like a movie trade magazine, It's right? a movie trade magazine. 
Um, he was asked by Premier Magazine to do a story on the 30th anniversary of um, the Tate-LaBianca murders. Yep. And this is this is hard for me to sort of explain without getting too meta and without repeating myself too much. Okay, so the Tate LaBianca murders is Sharon Tate and uh, the LaBianca. I forget the fam- name of the family. Right. The, the the people in the family, but that's where um, Roman Polanski's wife, pregnant wife, pregnant wife, Sharon Tate was murdered by the Manson family. Yes. Okay. And the thing, so Tom O'Neill goes back and he rereads Vincent Bugliosi's book, Helter Skelter. And because Tom O'Neill is a reporter and a researcher, he finds a lot of inconsistencies with Vincent Bugliosi's book. And the entire trial the Helter Skelter trial, the trial of Charles Manson. And what kind of a villain was Charles Manson? And Tom O'Neill chronicles his relationship, his adversarial relationship with Vincent Bugliosi. Vincent Bugliosi is famous for putting Charles Manson away, life in prison. Charles Manson died in prison because... Vincent Bugliosi did a great job prosecuting Charles Manson on circumstantial evidence. Charles Manson did not, as we know, as we believe, actually... As we understand things. As we understand things. He never took a knife and slit anyone's throat. But he convinced his, quote, family to do all the killing for him. via circumstantial evidence. And Vincent Bugliosi, it was, um, I don't know, maybe the, 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 um, the Perry Mason or the Matlock of the 1960s. He really sort of cut his teeth on that. That's how he became famous. And Vincent Bugliosi is the guy to go to when you're talking about prosecuting serial killers. He really made a name for himself. But Tom O'Neill the author of this book, Chaos, went sort of page by page and found some inconsistencies. And and how come Charles Manson wasn't charged for these other crimes? How come Charles Manson was, uh, was allowed to break p- parole and leave the San Francisco area and go to the LA area or vice versa? How is it that Charles Manson kept getting these passes up until when he was finally caught and captured for the Tate-LaBianca murders? And Tom O'Neill goes like really deep into Charles Manson's life and history and who this person was and how did he become the person that he was? How did Charles Manson become a cult leader? getting into the origins of cult leaders during the 60s and the 70s and the use of LSD. And the more that he did research into this and the more that he started going down these rabbit holes, he found things that were very, very disturbing. And the audible version of this book has a very interesting chapter 
I'm actually trying to call it the name of the chapter without without it automatically playing. Um, chapter 11, Mind Control. Tom O'Neill talks extensively about MKUltra and the CIA's secret program to use drugs and torture to brainwash people and to program people to create their own Manchurian candidates, meaning people who will do the, the, the bidding of their handlers and then forget at all that they ever did this. Um, and Tom O'Neill is able to link Jack Ruby, the doctor who diagnosed Jack Ruby and Jack Ruby's mental illness with Charles Manson. I'm just waiting for Jay to kind of like say, what? No, no, no. You warned me about this. I'm processing. I mean... So the thing is, is that there is a Dr. Lewis Jolion West. And this is where Charles Manson and Jack Ruby intersect. And you can actually do a search. You can go down your own rabbit hole and do mm-hmm. a Google search for Dr. Lewis Jolion West and MK Ultra. And you too, you too can have your own rabbit hole. <laughs> your very own personal conspiracy theory. Um, one of the things that the author, Tom O'Neill, tries to convey, and I think he conveys it in a, in a very interesting way, whereas he makes the case that the Manson murders, the Charles Manson family murders, was probably an MK Ultra experiment, either gone horribly wrong or gone horribly right. So, okay. Been trying to process this. Try, try and process you this. You warned me this was coming, and you're like, "Should I? Should I tell you about it now, or should we wait?" Right. Wait? I kind of wish I'm I prepped thinking, you. I'm kind of thinking maybe you should have told me. But so let me see if I understand this right. correctly. In this book, this guy's basically stating that Charles Manson and Jack Ruby were both part of an MK Ultra like experiment, not MK Ultra itself. Because that's been well documented, we right. know they weren't there. But an experiment that was being conducted along those same lines, along the same time frame. Right. Um, what Tom O'Neill speculates, and I've and I've listened to the book twice, and I might want to listen to this specific chapter again. I'm just going to read this off to you. Um, this is from a website. Um, whale.to Dr. Lewis Joylin West was cleared at top secret for his work for MK Ultra West numerous connections to mind control network illustrates how the network is maintained this is from he works in the media okay okay (laughs) (laughs) um 
let's see here. Let me see if I can find. This is from Wikipedia. Again, Wikipedia, take it from a grain of salt. Yep. Dr. Lewis West was an American psychiatrist whose work focused primarily on the cases where subjects were, quote, taken to the limits of the human experience, unquote. He performed Jack Ruby's psychiatric evaluation, and he was in charge of the UCLA's experiments of psychiatry. Psychiatry. Psychiatry and the Neurological Psychiatric Institute for 20 years. He was also an advocate of the anti-death penalty activism, and he was a longtime friend of Charlton Heston. What they really don't also tell you is that he was an operative of the CIA's MK Ultra. Um, he's also <laughs> famous, and it's, well, it's we can leave that part out. We I can guess. leave we can leave this part out. Yeah. Um, he was also. Um, He was also partly responsible for re- trying to rehabilitate POWs from the Korean War. Um, there's many links to him with P- Project MK Ultra. Um, for whatever reason, he did an experiment with an elephant and LSD, which caused the death of the elephant. He was. That's a lot of LSD. That's a lot of LSD. Can you imagine an, an ele- a, can yeah. you imagine an elephant on a bad trip? I can imagine. I don't want to be in that yeah. room. I don't want to be in that building. Yeah. Um, he was. He was also a uh, material. Apparently, he participated. He, he pro- apparently participated in LSD because only someone high on LSD would think it'd be a good idea to get an elephant high on LSD. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Continue. It's okay here. Um. He's so Tom O'Neill spent a lot of time documenting Dr. West's involvement in LSD research. And around the time when Charlie Manson was seen and heard and was involved in the hate Ashbury music scene, music scene, um, during the 60s, Dr. West had a, quote, clinic on Haight-Ashbury where, in San Francisco, where they were essentially give, giving hippies LSD for free and college students were observing their reactions. All, all on the CIA's and the U.S. government's dime. Yeah, we bitch about what the government does nowadays. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that Tom West also, not not Tom West, Tom O'Neill documents in his book is that he went through 200 boxes of papers left behind by Dr. West. Well, damn. And basically sort of like lays out the case like what I have tried to say before is that he sort of makes the case that you could make the assumption and not be wrong that that 
with all the dubious people surrounding Charles Manson at the time and how Dr. West and Charlie Manson were in the were running in the same circles for a while. And it's hard to nail down and pinpoint where did Charlie Manson get his copious amounts of LSD. One of the conclusions that Tom O'Neill makes, and he doesn't come out and say, this is absolutely what happens. There's a, there's a, a highly probable, it's highly probable that perhaps through Dr. West, the CIA supplied Charlie Manson with his LSD that he used as part of his brainwashing of the rest of his family, which led to the murder of Sharon Tate and the LaBiancas. And on top of that, there's an untold number of people who were buried out in the desert surrounding Charlie Manson's compound. Right. They, they know that they buried people out there because, if I remember correctly, it was family members that admitted that they had killed people and buried them out there. But they've never, in spite of the fact that they've looked, never actually found it. So it's possible that those stories that the family members said were just bad trips. Could be bad they, trips. They have now, in part of the book, they've actually uncovered bodies buried out in the desert where they're supposed to have been bodies buried out in the desert. Oh, they have. Okay. They have. I am not a Charles Manson expert. And nor do you play one on TV. I do not. I do not. Um, and this was published back in June 25th, 2019. It's, it's not even a year old. This is probably one of the most sensational books that I have read. And for me, a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> an admitted <laughs> conspiracy theorist, <laughs> this is mind-blowing. But the question that you're sort of left with, the lingering question, Tom O'Neill, and I want to get Tom O'Neill on the podcast in the worst way. Yeah. Um, how many other MK Ultra programs, operations, did the CIA conduct through MK Ultra? How many missing persons cases can be solved just by investigating MK Ultra? And to go full on conspiracy theorists, did they really stop the experiments? No, that's a good question. And there are because also there's been there's been a few things. Why am I losing you? That I've I've read on some Can you hear me? I can hear you now. And of course, of course, okay. we're, of course, of, co um, of course, are... Jay, Jay, of course, we're talking about crazy yes. conspiracy theories that involve the CIA and all of a sudden our Internet connection starts to crap out. <laughs> That's just pure coincidence, I assure you. <laughs> right. Mm, OK. Because, you know, what are the odds that we have a solid internet connection for, like, what, hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes, and then we change topics and suddenly it goes all... Exactly. But um, some conspiracy sites that I've seen actually point out the disappearances, or like uh, the disappearances of the Native American women in uh, Montana, 
that no one is investigating. And if you were going to conduct an experiment like that, who would be a better subject cast to test it on or test with than the, I don't want to say the dregs of society, but, you know, the people that you know no one's going to go looking for. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's a horrible thing to say, but, I mean, this is what conspiracy theorists live on. You know, this is these are the kinds of things that keep them going. So... It's it's one of, it's one of those things that you read this book and you you think about this guy Tom O'Neill, which I ju- I think I just found him on Facebook. I'm actually sending him an ad friend right now. Um, he spent 20 years doing this research. He spent an entire summer going to a university library's basement to read um, these boxes of, I, I don't even know what to call them. I mean, the th- papers, papers. I mean, he went through like, you know, 200 boxes full of papers that were left by, uh, you know, um, Dr. Lewis West. One of the things that he also documents is a bit of of MK Ultra history, whereas is that when just before the church committee hearings or around the time of the church committee hearings, the few remaining people in MK Ultra had said we need we need to get rid of all of this stuff. We need to get rid of all of the, all of our documentations. We need to burn and shred everything because when the American people find out what we've been doing, there will be hell to pay. Totally forgetting that they had a secondary warehouse full of documents (laughs) that eventually and inevitably somebody else found. Of course. Of course. And for the longest time, MKUltra was just a conspiracy theory. It was a nutty conspiracy theory. And mental patients would try and tell their stories to the local papers and the police. I was abducted by the CIA and they committed experiments on me with LSD and prostitutes. And of course you'd look at somebody and you would say, that's freaking, that's, that's insane. Lock this person away only for this person to be locked away. And kept under lock and key. Ironically. Ironically. Under <laughs> ironically some, get locked up again. <laughs> locked away but, and, and under the care and supervision of some of the same psychiatrists who abducted them in the first place. <laughs> look up. They get, they get put in a straitjacket. They look up and it's like, oh, Dr. Smith, it's you again. <laughs> They don't believe me. I know they don't, son. It's okay. We'll take care of you. Here, have some LSD. That's all part of the plan. <laughs> now, oh. now you're thinking, oh, that never freaking happened. Right? They didn't abduct people like that. Do a search for Operation Midnight Climax. 
And I remember when Walt and I... Climax. Should I do this on like an incognito window or... You don't need an incognito for this. Okay. You sure? Because it sounds like... Are you on a... Are you you on a work laptop? No. Okay. Um, Sweet Jesus. I'm just going to read this paragraph here while you're looking this up. This is a real thing. Operation Midnight Climax was an operation initially established in 1954 by Sidney Godib and placed under the direction of the Federal Narcotics Bureau in Boston, Massachusetts with the officer George Hunter White under the pseudonym Morgan Hall for the CIA's sub-project of Project MK Ultra, the CIA mind control research program that began in the 1950s. Before the programs were shut down, hundreds of scientists would work on them. Wow. That's a real thing. Wow. And it, just for fun, just for shits and giggles, do a quick search for Operation Mockingbird. Just not just just an alleged large scale program with the US CIA that began in the early fifties attempted to manipulate news media for propaganda purposes. It funded student and cultural organizations and magazines as front organizations. Well, how about that? Anyone who's complaining about the fake news shit. Here you yeah. go. So the so the thing is is like if you if you watch the news and you say something smells fishy. that that smells did somebody step in CIA propaganda and tracked it all through the house is that what that is <laughs> Damn hey, it, can, I told you not to do <laughs> hold on a second hey Carol can you check your shoes maybe one of the kids tracked in some CIA propaganda again. Because it because because if you if you if you think if you think that you're being lied to or by being manipulated by the media, and it smells like government propaganda, it probably is. Hey, just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get me. Because <laughs> I mean, look, even 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 true paranoids have enemies. It's true. It's true. It's some that's some scary stuff right there. It really is. So the US government now the US government CIA specifically even more specifically Project MK Ultra It's now a proven documented fact that the CIA was performing experiments on people unwittingly or wittingly because to be honest in the late 1960s if someone went to a college campus said hey you want to take some LSD they're probably going to get a whole lot of volunteers sure but the thing is is that this circles around back to Tom O'Neill's book Chaos 
This circles back to the notion of if you know that there was an Operation Midnight Climax, and by the way, you if you go further down the rabbit hole like Tom O'Neill did, you're going to find out that there are sub-programs of sub-programs under Midnight, uh, under Midnight Climax and MKUltra. I'm sorry, MKUltra was one of the sub-programs. It's really easy to get confused here. Yeah, well, I mean, whenever the CIA operates on U.S. soil, which they're not supposed to do, there's going to be a lot of confusion because they're trying to obfuscate shit. They're literally trying to make it as confusing as possible so people just say, this this can't be real. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's... At some point you're stepping away from fact and reaching into the realm of the conspiracy. And while that is fun to do, if you want to be serious about it, it's really difficult to kind of maintain that because how deep does the rabbit hole go? You could, you could actually, if you're lucky and you can get a book deal, this rabbit, good money doing chasing this rabbit hole. Absolutely. But a lot of people are sort of asking the same questions, thanks to Tom O'Neill's book. Was Charles Manson and the Manson family family lab rats? Well, I mean, it's certainly possible. You know, they a lot of times they they credit Charles Manson with having an incredible charisma. But what if that charisma was supplanted and supplemented? with LSD that was of a special formula, let's say, to make people right. more susceptible. Right. Now, does LSD itself make people more susceptible to such suggestions? I don't think we honestly know. But the fact that the government was experimenting with it, um, while at the same time in the midst of a communism scare, by the way, which I find so ironically hilarious, but um, yeah, it, it it does make you kind of wonder. It makes you go, hmm, I wonder. It, it really does. Because the thing is, thanks to Tom O'Neill's book, people are really starting to ask some serious questions. I'm asking serious questions. One of the things that we have talked about since I started doing the Metaphysical Connection, since I started really talking about conspiracy theories on the podcast is that almost every year around half a million people are reported missing. The vast majority of those people turn up sooner or later. Either they just moved out of town or they forgot to tell somebody or they, you know, they spent the night at a, at a friend's house and didn't bother to tell their parents. But there are about... It depends on where you get your statistics. Around maybe 100,000 people are never heard from again. That's a scary statistic. People just up and disappear, and people never hear from them again. And in a country of 300 million people, 100,000 in a given year? That's a lot of people. It, well, it is, but it's also a statistic, right? It's, I mean, you're looking at a third of a percent of the general population. A hundred thousand people. Yeah. That's 
that's not even a third of a percent. That's that's a fraction of a single percent. Right. So yes, it's a lot of people, but in terms of is it going to be something that people notice? Depends on the people, right? Like homeless people. Right. I mean, if you're looking at studies, that low of percentage is an outlier when you're talking about those numbers, right? If you're doing a study that encompasses 300 million people, what 100,000 people do is a statistical outlier that falls outside of the normal curve. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's, it's pretty crazy when you think about it. Now, one of the crazy conspiracy theories out there is that these are people who have been abducted by aliens. Right. Right. We actually, about, what, two weeks ago, we did a show talking about that very same thing. It's like, would, would aliens have any compulsion to not abduct people? If they wanted to see, oh, like, let's... Let's look at these hominids on this little blue speck orbiting this average star. They wouldn't think twice about it. But using Occam's razor for a second, is it more likely that it's that it's aliens from a, another planet or another dimension? Or could it be people within our own country? Our own government abducting people and, and and doing experiments on them. Which is most likely? I mean, these. I mean, we're talking about people who are gone. We're talking about people who are dead. Or we don't. I mean, it's not dead. We're talking about because we don't even know. We're talking about people who disappear without a trace. They're never seen or heard of from again. And the question is, who's taking them? Who's abducting well, these people? It's more likely that the, the people who are have serial abductions, it's more likely to me that those people are the ones that are probably getting experimented on by the government. Because the government, if you abduct somebody, you've got to, first of all, you've got to provide them with food and shelter for the duration of the experiment and all of that. So, I mean, it depends on the nature of the experiment, I guess, but it just seems to me that that would be an expensive way of doing it is taking people directly out of the population. It would be much more, in terms of finances, it'd be much more money-saving to abduct people over and over again as you're conducting your experiments and seeing how, you know, you can see how it affects their lives, how it affects their, their behaviors in a normal situation and all of that. You know, because what if MK Ultra? Let's let's jump into this with both fucking feet. Yeah. What if MK Ultra worked? And now a lot of these people who are being abducted, the Greys and all of that that people talk about, is actually U.S. scientists or or governmental scientists that are wearing a suit. So that because that's now part of this social consciousness, everyone's going to pretty much ignore it. So now they know they can pretty much get away with it as long as they're wearing the suit because people have foggy recollections of it when they're under the influence of this particular formulation of LSD. So they can do whatever the hell they want. You know, and apparently they're checking them to see if they have the coronavirus by swabbing their 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 anal openings right but other than that they 
have created everything they need if mk ultra was a success they've created everything they need to be able to do whatever they want and people are not going to have clear recollections of it no clear recollections in if you want to go keep going down this rabbit hole we also now know thanks to programs like csi that people's eyewitness reports in court are notoriously unreliable you rely you so you take something that is inherently unreliable add to it the fact that they're not entirely sure what they experiment what they experienced and now you've got an entire population of people who are going to automatically discount whatever these guys say whatever these people say of course the only question is why why the hell not <laughs> i mean i mean what's to gain from it why why are they committing experiments yeah, why are they conducting these experiments? What are they trying to learn? What end? What is the point of these experiments? Population control. I not, don't know. I thought population not, seems to be fairly well controlled right now. The government can do whatever the fuck it wants because everyone's too busy arguing about gun control and the Kardashians and all this other shit and the coronavirus. What color was that crazy dress that people were posting on Facebook? Exactly. Stupid shit like that. You know, Facebook itself. Facebook was running for how long? Over a decade before they actually found a way of making money. Yeah. Over a decade. Who the fuck was funding that? Zuckerberg's rich now, but he wasn't then. Here's a tough question. Walt mentioned something on, on one of the podcasts or the episodes that we did where Walt had mentioned that he read somewhere that the CIA funded the formation of Facebook. And is that something that we would want to explore more of? Would well, we, we could, but not today. Well, no. How, how, <laughs> how, much to, how, how far are we behind schedule? How, how, you know? Yeah, I'm really late for work. Oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, you could just well, you, 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 know. you could you could you could just tell your boss that you were abducted. <laughs> <laughs> Government mind control experiments. All right, thank you for another great show. Thanks for taking. Thanks for going down the rabbit hole with me. It's fun going down the rabbit hole, man. <laughs> uh, any any final last words before I let you go? Um, yeah, watch your cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it going to do a trick? <laughs> Someone may swab it to find out if you have the coronavirus. Uh, I feel as if we got our conspiracy theory groove back. Yes. All right. Jay, I'm going to let you go because you are late for work. Yes, I am. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show with hosts Jason Cousino and Eric Renderking Fisk. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our past shows, show notes, and recent articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook after you found it so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. 
Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, FedoraChronicle at Google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with comments and show topic suggestions. We might even read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt or coffee mug. Terms and conditions apply. And thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. 12.5% of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast and all the others on the Fedora Chronicles network on the air. That's Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme song for this show is Royal Flush by Olive Music. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is edited and produced by Eric Render King Fisk. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2019-2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of Jason Cousineau, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chin up and your fedora on.